Hi everybody, it is so good to be back with you and another Quadcast. Thank you so much today for listening, taking the time out of your life and in this season. And uh, yeah, it's the first uh, Quadcast of 2021 and uh, uh, we, we find ourselves again in lockdown number 1 million or whatever. Uh, but nevertheless, I want to talk to you today um, about bravery, okay? And let me start with this story, which I hope will uh, provide a little bit of context. Okay, so in late November 1863, I'm going to take you way back then, Union forces in the American Civil War, they are besieged by the Confederate Army at a place called Chattanooga in Tennessee. After defeating them at an earlier battle, and then they're chasing them now to, to deliver a decisive blow against them. General Grant, Ulysses Grant, was quickly sent to the location and after sidelining the defeated Union general already there, he began very quickly to turn the situation around. So creating a battle plan together with reconnecting the supply lines to the Union forces, on the 25th of November, various blue and grey regiments were ready to try and end the siege, which was focused around a place everyone called Missionary Ridge. It was kind of like this steep but strategic vantage point uh, heavily fortified, of course, with Confederate soldiers. So when Grant gave the signal, the Union armies rushed to the base of the ridge and quickly routed the enemy that was embedded at the uh, at the base of the ridge. But instead of waiting for further orders, they just kind of kept going. So in this huge show of bravado and, and a willingness to make up, I think, for the previous defeat, they simply kept climbing up the ridge pretty much shocking the Confederate army into defeat. Now, in this book uh, called Grant, uh, it's a a biography um, written by a guy called Ron Chernow, he uses a line which really caught my attention and became, if you like, the trigger sentence for uh, for this quadcast. Describing the actions of the infantrymen as they ascended up Missionary Ridge, this is what he said. He said, bravery suddenly became the path of least resistance. Bravery suddenly became the path of least resistance. I want to ask you today, is there any part of your life that right now feels like it's under siege? Are you feeling surrounded, cut off, maybe overwhelmed? Well, look, if you can relate to feeling this way, then I want to encourage you with these words that bravery is the path of least resistance for you right now, okay? Being brave is your way out of where you find yourself. And being brave will fire up your feet to move forward and to end the siege of the thing that is cutting off supply of life to you. In the Old Testament of the Bible, we encounter, which will be, I'm sure, familiar to you, the story of David and Goliath. The Israelites were at this famous standoff with the Philistines because of their giant Goliath. Everyone was afraid of him. No one would fight him. And so they just stood there, cut off, under siege from fear and hopelessness. Hopelessness. Except, of course, this guy David. And you know how the story goes. David steps up to fight Goliath, sinks a stone into his skull via his favourite sling, and then proceeds to chop Goliath's head off, causing an epidemic of mass courage which breaks out among the Israelite army and the siege lifts. David understood that bravery is the path of least resistance. Now, there are four secrets that I think David knew that no one else dared 
word to believe could be true for them. And these four secrets ended the siege for Israel. And I deeply believe they could end the siege for you too. So I want to share these four brief secrets with you in in the ardent hope that whatever is overwhelming you, whatever is cutting life off from you at this moment, do you know what? That it will end and you will get the breakthrough and your victory. So let me give you these four secrets. Secret number one is this. Doing nothing won't do. Okay, doing nothing won't do. How you perceive your reality causes your response to it. All right, it's why two people can see the same thing and have an entirely different response to it. When King Saul saw and heard Goliath, he reacted with fear, responding then with inaction. But when David saw and heard Goliath, he reacted in a very different way. In 1 Samuel um, Uh, 17 verse 26 it says this that David asked the man standing near him what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God David's response is brimming with activity and bravery You see, David carried something different within him that informed how he saw the world around him. David's worldview was grounded in faith, which allowed him to replace intimidation with indignation at Goliath. For David, the effects from the fear of the giant was causing Israel, and they simply wouldn't do for him. To be besieged by threats and fear was not the way he and his people are meant to live. Come on, are you angry enough at what surrounds you? Or right now do you feel so defeated by the sight and the size of it that you've already consciously submitted to surrender by doing nothing about it. The truth is, you're not meant to live besieged by threats and fear, and doing nothing won't do. Being brave is your path of least resistance towards a brighter future. And so since we're already talking about General Grant, here's another slice of his genius. He said this, in war, anything is better than indecision. We must decide. He said, if I'm wrong, we shall soon know and we can do another thing. For David in the Bible, for Ulysses S. Grant, and listen, for you today, doing nothing won't do. So as you're listening to this today, let's commit to make a decision to do something about whatever it is that's besieging you right now. Okay, so that's the first circuit, doing nothing won't do. We can't sit a moment longer where we're at. The second secret is this. I want you to understand today that your scars are your signs. Your scars are your signs. Now, this is a bit embarrassing, uh, but when I was 16, I came out of a shop in my hometown and I caught my thumb in the door. And so I smashed the thumb and the nail kind of came off and it squelched with blood. And oh, you kind of know what that feeling is like. It's one of those, you know, things that happens to someone else and you can almost feel it happening to you. And so anyway, as I was leaving uh, the shop, my thumb began to kind of throb. My thumb had a heartbeat and began to throb. And as I walked down a steep slope uh, into the, the car park where I obviously had left the car, 
car. I looked down at my thumb and it was shattered and it was covered in blood. Well, everybody, didn't I faint? I did. I started to wobble and list and lay across the footpath and onto the road uh, and down into the car park. And I passed out and I completely landed square on my chin, okay, uh, causing this huge gash to open on my on my face and just underneath my mouth and my chin. And I can remember kind of coming to and being rescued by well-meaning people who actually thought I had too much to drink. And anyway, I, I managed to get into the car and somehow drive to the house, uh, got home, and then mum and dad at the time took me to the hospital, as I say, I was 16, and uh, the doctor then just kind of gave me six stitches and told me off uh, for being, uh, well, having a weak constitution, okay. And uh, anyway... But today I still have this scar. And I want to ask, have you any scars? Okay, and I bet you do. Okay, and I wonder even as you're listening to me right now, maybe you're going to rub a a finger across them, uh, pretty much like I'm doing as I'm recording this right now. And maybe you can remember how you got them. All right. And maybe, you know, like me, you carry some scars that you can't see. Okay, they're emotional scars. They're they're times of hurt and times of betrayal, times of disappointment. Nonetheless, they're scars and they have stories behind them and, and they're there. But listen, for all the memories and all the stories that your scars conjure up, what I want you to know today is that your scars are signs. They're a sign that you've made it. They're a sign that you've survived it, that you came through, that you've overcome something. Do you know life kept hitting you and you kept getting up? Your scars are signs that you've been a fighter, you've been a scrapper, you've been a tenacious pit bull who just wouldn't let go. So in the backdrop of that truth, what's so special about this moment that has you feeling besieged? What's so special about this thing, this giant, this pain, this season that has you so demoralized, that has you so, you know, to the point of of surrender? David wanted to fight Goliath, but he needed permission from King Saul. And so one of the ways that he tried to convince the king that he was able uh, to go and fight Goliath was to show King Saul his scars. Listen to 1 Samuel uh, chapter 17, verses 34 to 36. It says this, But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and I killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he's defied the armies of the living God. This is fighting talk from David. And I wonder, can you imagine David and King Saul having this conversation? I wonder, did David lift his elbow and pointing to a four-inch scar? Did he say to Saul, hey, hey, do you see this one? This was from a bear two years ago. And maybe he lifted the back of his t-shirt and said, hey, do you see this one as he exposes his lower back? Do you see this big one? This is the 10-inch long. This is a beauty. I got this from a lion as he was trying to take two lambs from his mouth but I whacked him with my staff and whacked him on the head with with a stone from my sling and and I killed him and I wonder was David showing off his scars you see David's scars were were signs of his battles signs of his courage signs of his big victories but your scars are a sign of your battles of your courage and your victories so I don't know what ever it is that's your giant, that is your seed, that is your moment that you feel has you surrounded and overwhelmed and cut off. Understand this right now. You've 
been in fights before and you've come through. How do I know? Because you've the scars to prove it, okay? So I want you to find your scars. I want you to touch them. I want you to uh, just have a, a little think about what caused the scar. But remember this, for all the hurt and for all the pain that those scars caused, you are still standing, you're still breathing, you're still going forward. And you know what? You came through then, and I believe this, that your scars are a sign that you're going to come through now. Now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. So let's be encouraged that there's still some fighting spirit in you. So let me remind you of the first two secrets. Number one, doing nothing won't do. Number two, your scars are signs that you're a fighter and keep going. David's secret number three. I want to encourage you, learn to handle it your own way. You have right now all the skills, the talent and the energy you need right now, even if you don't feel like it, to begin the journey to lifting your siege, to begin to take the steps of being brave. When King Saul finally agreed to allow David to fight Goliath, he wanted David to wear his armor. So let's listen in to see how this played out. And we can read and follow along in 1 Samuel 17, verses 38 through 39. It says this, Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of a shepherd's bag, and with a sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Incredible stuff. You know what? It takes some guts to hand the king back his stuff with all of Israel watching. But David, deep down, had the courage to handle the giant in his own way, in a way that was going to benefit from his own strengths and his own talents. See, when you step up to take some action, when you want to deal with your pain, you want to deal with your restriction, you want to deal with whatever has you feeling cut off today, the world has plenty of advice to offer you. And you know what? A lot of it is really great stuff that needs listened to. But you know what? Make sure you handle it in your own way. Your family and friends have the very best intentions and your online world is rammed with armchair experts. But this is your siege and you're going to get the breakthrough in your own way as you engage with your giant from your heart, with your passion, with your natural and supernatural skills. And they're going to emerge to help you every single step of the way. You know, Judith and I can remember when the kids were tiny and so small, even before they were all born. And of course, we were having quadruplets at the time. Every person on the planet offered some tidbit of info and it was usually wrapped in doom or gloom for the journey ahead. But you know what? We thanked them all for the advice. There was some advice we listened to. There was some advice we didn't pay any attention to. And we simply engaged with the process of raising our kids with who we were, okay? Out of our personality, out of our gift set, out of our talents and our skills, and with the help of God, okay? And it's the same here. I want to encourage you, engage with the process, engage with being brave with the very best parts of who you are and watch what happens. The final little secret is this. I want to encourage you to glance at the present 
but glare at the future. Glance at the present, but glare at the future. Very near where we live, here in Eglinton, just outside the city of, of Derry, London Derry, there is a, a little kind of uh, forest trail with a waterfall at the back, okay? And at the waterfall, there's 42 steps linking two paths, an upper path and a lower path. And years ago, I used to go and do 10 sets of running up and down these steps, with one set being, uh, you know, uh, uh, running up and then running down. That was That was one set. And I noticed that when I got to about set five, uh, into the workout halfway through, I just really wanted to quit. You know, who doesn't? I just wanted to stop. And so I wanted to find a way that would help me keep at it, okay? You see, I found that when I kept my eyes fixed on the steps, I became a lot slower than when I kept my eyes on the top of the steps. So I thought I'd lift my head and focus on the top of the steps. But when I fixed my eyes on the top of the steps, I trip on the step I was on. So I had to find a way where I could keep an eye on where I was while also keeping an eye on where I was going, but in such a way that wouldn't demoralize me. And so after playing around, I stumbled across a system that really helped me at least finish the sets. What I'd do was I'd glance quickly at the step I was on, but I glared. I'd spent more time glaring at where I was going at the top of the steps. In other words, I'd engage with the present but I'd be motivated by what I saw in the future. I never lost sight and I spent most of my time in the middle of those sets glared and fixed to the big picture, the bigger picture. David was a young man, I believe this about him, who never lost sight of the big picture. And we can catch this heart from him in 1 Samuel 17 verse 45. He's squaring up to Goliath and he says this to him. He says, I come against you in the name of the Lord. So he's on the battlefield and he's squaring up to Goliath. But at the same time, he's revealing his big picture. He's glaring at the renown and the reputation and the power of the Lord. And his words showed that David was prepared, yes, to glance at the present, to take on the giant, but he was glaring at his big picture. And as he glared at the big picture, David was motivated to finish the set of steps. He was motivated to kill the giant, motivated to take action on the battlefield. You see, are you more connected to the present? Does the battle, the pain, the siege, the restriction, the fear, whatever name you give to your giant, take up all of your vision? Or are you connected to a bigger picture in the future? Because like David, you believe you're alive for more than the moment you are currently living in. You see, whatever you're connected to informs how you think and therefore how you will live. If you uh, live connected to fear, then fear informs your choices, your faith, and ultimately how you live your life. But when you're connected to God, his word, and his spirit, you know instinctively, spiritually, you are alive for more than the moment you're living in. You understand that, yes, you have to glance at the present, you have to be brave and navigate this season, but you know this season's going to conclude and that there's more up ahead for you. And so when you believe that your future has more than the moment you are in, you will make future-based decisions in the present and that will lead you through the moment you are in. So come on, what is your vision connected to? The present or the future? 
future. Why don't you make a decision right now to shift the amount of time and value you're giving to the present and to connect your vision by glaring deeply into the future? Because when you find your vision of the future, you'll find your courage, you'll find your faith and your passion. You'll begin to come alive all over again. And I believe this, in time you will break your siege. So I don't know what has you surrounded in this, whether it's COVID-19, whether it's another lockdown, whether it's issues with life or marriage or sickness or addiction, whatever name you have for your Goliath, okay, I want you to think about employing these four secrets to being brave when you feel surrounded. Number one, doing nothing won't do. Let's make a decision. I'm going to engage in this breakthrough. Understand this, that your scars are signs. You fought before and won. You'll fight now and you'll still win. Believe that. Next thing, have the courage to handle it in your own way. Walk it out in your own pace, in your own space, and with the grace of God. And finally, I want to encourage you, by all means, glance at the present, but glare at the future. Shift the focus of the amount of time and value that you give today, and give all of that to the future, and you will find your faith rise, you'll find bravery find you, and you will make future-based decisions that will help you find your feet, and your courage, and the breakthrough. Remember, Bravery is your path of least resistance today. Hey, let me know if this has helped you. Share this podcast with your world. Leave a comment. I'd love to hear from you. And come on, let's get your breakthrough starting today. Thanks for listening. I look forward to hearing from you and listen out for the next podcast coming soon. Bye.